if you're like me, you've dreamt of becoming an accomplished musician and the satisfaction it can bring you. But there's hidden traps in the path to creating a musician's dream sound placed by ill-informed tutors and some online and real-world educators. We are forced to answer hard questions like how to grow as amateur musicians using time learning our craft intelligently, or how to achieve pristine musical sound quality without sacrificing wasted dollars. Finally, those questions and more can be answered after 20 years of research, trial and error. Follow this podcast while I expose missing pieces of the musical puzzle to take you from hours of musical frustration to feeling the excitement of musical excellence. You can join the journey on musicsecretsexposed.com I'm your host, Sylvia, and you're listening to the Music Secrets Exposed podcast. Now, today I have a very knowledgeable character on the podcast today. He lives in the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Washington state of the USA. He has been a performing artist since he was 15 years of age. He has recorded several albums and produced other artist works as well. He is also a singer-songwriter. He was a school guidance counsellor for 22 years, and in the past 10 years, he has been a career coach for musicians and others in the entertainment industry. Rick, welcome. A pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you. I won't pronounce your second name. Would you mind saying your (laughs) second name, Rick? Yes, yes, Goudsward. It's Dutch. Oh, it's Dutch. Okay. Very unusual name. Yeah, I didn't attempt that because I'd only butcher it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How did your music career begin and how did you carry through your life from the age of 14 to now 69 years of age? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll try to keep this brief. Um, It's kind of an interesting story. Um, When I was about six or seven years old um, is when I started getting really interested in music. Um, And, and, you know, I'm 69 years old now and and still playing and having fun and really doing this. But where it all started was um, I would sneak up to my sister's bedroom upstairs and I would put my ear to the old radio. She had about a 19... 35 radio and I put my ear to it so and so it was really low in volume so my parents didn't know I was up there because I wasn't supposed to go there and I you know this was in the early 60s so being about uh, I think I might have been maybe eight years old but early late 50s early 60s I started get turning on to Elvis and some of the you know <laughs> some of the early Everly Brothers and I mean you know some of the early people and of course then the Beatles began coming along and um, and so that's where my real interest began. I, I remember um, I asked my parents for a, for a trumpet. I, I wasn't interested in guitar quite yet. And they said, no, we're not going to give you a trumpet. So you'll just forget it. And and so then I um, I said, well, how about a guitar? And they said, no, no. For the same reason, you'll never stick with it. So so I. Um, we had in our neighborhood a talent show at one of the neighbor's homes. And uh, I remember sitting on a chair. I was going to be a performing artist, a musician with a guitar. Well, I didn't have a guitar, so I took a broomstick. I sat on a chair, and over the chair was a sheet. And underneath the sheet and the chair was a record player. 
And so I, I reached down and, you know, scratched it, you know, <laughs> found the song that I wanted to put on. And then I might, I, I think lip, you know, lip synced it before we even knew what lip sync it was. And uh, everybody clapped all the kids in the neighborhood and, and everybody did their thing. And so skip forward to about 10 years old. And my neighbor man um, said to me, I'll buy you a new guitar if you go, and my son a new guitar, if you go to music lessons with him and I'll pay for the lessons also. So he gave, he gave me a $10 new guitar, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. You could buy anything for $10, but um, we went to music lessons. It was 10 lessons and it was a group. And I remember them, uh, we did a little concert at the end for some of the parents. And I remember that I started running circles around some of the notes that they were doing. So, you know, I wasn't just plunk, 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 plunk. I was running all kinds of intervals between all those notes. And so the instructor was kind of giving me the hairy eyeball, wondering what I was doing. And so um, skip to about, um, so that was, I guess, I guess I was about, um, no, I was about 14 uh, at that level. By the time I was 15, I was playing coffee houses in the Seattle uh, neighbor uh, air places. I couldn't drive yet. So I took a, I snuck out and got an all, all month bus pass. So every weekend I could steal away and tell my parents I was somewhere else and go down into the pretty rough neighborhoods actually of Seattle and, um, you know, play. And, you know, in those days, you know, I was playing artists like Glenn Campbell and, you know, some original stuff, not too much at that point, but, um, but then I, yeah. So, so it just kind of took off from there. And then I did, you know, a lot of coffee houses, things like that. And then when I was 21, I got asked to be part of a music group that um, was a six piece, primarily vocal band, but we had instrumentation as well. Guitars, keyboards, um, kungas, bass, um, and then six of us. And the harmony was spectacular. And we, uh, that group lasted for about 10, 10 or 12 years. I was with it for two. And we traveled um, throughout Europe and uh, most of the United States. Uh, we had a motor home and um, we stayed in people's homes. We had a manager and uh, played everything from the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles to um, small little schools out in Oklahoma somewhere you know, little elementary schools. I mean, he had us everywhere. And so um, then we played for the U.S. military in, um, in throughout Europe and um, played in some uh, cathedrals, which was really fun. Tr tremendous amount of fun stories to, t to tell if you ever care to hear about them. But anyway, so we, uh, we had a lot of fun. And um, those were two phenomenal years of my life. And um, because I got to meet so many kinds of people in different cultures and different backgrounds, staying with a lot of different families and uh, performing in so many kinds of arenas. I remember playing once um, it was Easter and we were invited to play in uh, uh, at a club in Las Vegas. And so when I got there, we'd never played in a, in a bar in Las Vegas before. When I got there, I noticed there was chicken wire 
across the whole front of the stage. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder why they have that there. I, <laughs> I had no idea that what people did, if they didn't like the band, they throw stuff, they throw bottles of beer and, you know, ashtrays or whatever they could find to throw at the band. And of course they did <laughs> that in fact happened. And apparently they didn't like our music and um, uh, for some reason. And so th we were very glad to get out of there. So. Yeah, but it sounds like you had great exposure to so many uh, musical genres. Do you know when we you did. travel around, when you travel around Europe, you see so much history and then you're probably yes. listening to like the American contemporary music of the day. It yes. must have been like all this contrast going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so during that time, we were making um, several albums during that um, two years that I was with that group. And then when I got out, um, I just continued working as a solo artist and duo artist and have formed throughout the years numerous bands. Um, I'm on my latest band right now. It's the last 10 years have been doing more of a blues rock um, dance band sort of idea. And so we play a lot of um, festivals and outdoor arenas and private parties, as well as um, uh, some clubs, some upper scale clubs, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so throughout the years, I've kept that up. I do have my own studio. Um, it is in my home. I've made a pretty nice studio here. And um, I do it not only for my own recordings to upload and, um, you know, to do, um, uh, you know, recordings, yeah, to upload to different music uh, sites, but also others as well. And one of my, one of my, my dearest uh, hobbies, I guess it is, is taking young musicians who are um, just starting to even know their instrument um, and beginning songwriting and that kind of thing and have a place that they can come to complete their songs, to help them with songwriting, to help them with um, production of their song. So hopefully they can get that up to the uh, internet and begin thinking about what am I going to do with this idea of mine. I'm really passionate about music, but I'm not sure where to go with this. Do I want it as a hobby? Do I want it as a career? Um, do I want to enter, enter it? Yeah. So really what you're trying to do is foster creativity, really. Yes. Yes. I often think, you know, there's a lot of musicians like over the 20 years I have seen firsthand that where I'm coming from in my home country here, find it very hard to find outlets to express their newly found skill. And yes, if yeah. they just got that seed of encouragement saying, yes, it's possible to actually write a song, go and do it. And I'll help right. you just put the polish on it. That would right. just, wow, that would open up their mind to so much potential. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, and um, some of those that I mentored when I was in my later 20s, um, I was a counselor, in a, not in schools at that time, but a counselor elsewhere. Those kids that I worked with and I taught music and we had a little band together and um, they now they're now 55 years of age. They have kids that are in their early 20s. And they're recording with me. So they're um, they're starting their music careers mostly yeah. as a hobby in this case. So what, yeah, but so you're down the generations. So, yes, it's just been a fun ride. So getting into coaching uh, musicians has been a, a just a, a wonderful experience and staying with them through the process and 
and um, being their helper and confident and um, cheerleader. Yeah, and which yeah, is yeah, because yeah. mm -hmm. I'm sure when they meet the wall, sometimes you know the confidence can get hit sometimes, and just exactly. have somebody there beside them to say it's okay, you'll get through this is just wonderful. Just to exactly to go forward, yeah. And, and that's what often happens with young musicians and and even older musicians. They get um, they lose their sense of confidence. They've hit their head against the wall so many times, maybe because they didn't have enough knowledge or or they didn't. They, they didn't have anybody supporting them or any number of things and they quit. And it's so sad because they may have wonderful potential. I have seen it many times. Um, there was one guy in particular that's in my mind that I remember and he was just gifted at the piano, just gifted. Uh, but because he didn't get the encouragement and I think the surrounding environment wasn't supportive, he just took off in another direction. And that talent that he, god gave him was like where you know just lost and i just yeah. find it a tragedy you don't have to play music for money you don't have to perform if that's not your choice but at least right. enjoy it mm -hmm. you can enjoy it and have fun with your mates and jam together and have a bit of crack um, absolutely mm -hmm. yeah sure what is your favorite musical genre because you've all this experience in your history with performance you've been in europe you've got all that strong connection to your home roots in america so What's your favorite musical genre and why would it be your favorite? Well, this is an interesting question because what I write and what I perform are two different things. <laughs> so as a singer songwriter, I do a lot of Americana. And so it's uh, it's kind of a, um, you know, mostly acoustic music. And it's, um, you know, backed by my vocals. And um, so, uh, I'll, and I write songs that are lyrically um, pretty about, much about my own experience. Uh, every, you know, all the way from growing up in the 50s, all the way till today. And, ex and, and experimenting with um, a lot of my thoughts and feelings and about what I see in the world happening and those kinds of things. But what I play uh, live is blues and um, and kind of blues rock uh, genre. And I and I like all forms of music, but what I listen to most is that. And and so on on the um, FM or or uh, or or uh, download or whatever that tends to be the genre that I listen to. So it's I've never figured out quite that that and um why it is that as a singer songwriter I don't I don't do that much in that vein. Um but that's me. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah I suppose like if you look at it from a psychological point of view, you look at the conditioning, you look at your environment as to what shapes you as a person. And that comes yeah. through your subconscious creative context. And yeah. uh, I think that that possibly could be a reason perhaps yeah i think you know because i grew up sitting uh, you know i would sit down with a solo guitar i just had my voice and that's where i cut my teeth you know that's that's probably where that came from and um where i feel um that yeah 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 you know i i'm happier playing solo with uh, a group of say 30 people in front of me um, than I am playing a large venue and, you know, with 300, 400, 500 people. Um, and, and I think it's more intimate and, um, it's, yeah, it's more less, of a connection. 
more of a connection. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's something wonderful, and I've been observing this even here in my own country. In our traditional music and Irish music, there are those performers who don't have that um, skill of connecting with an audience, and particularly, especially yeah. if it's a small venue, it's more important, I think. Whereas a large venue, it's a bit different. And mm -hmm. then you have these amazing traditional musicians, and they have this wonderful, this wonderful way of just engaging with the audience and their name is renowned one lady that mm -hmm. comes to mind is sharon shannon and she mm -hmm. just she's this amazing ability to connect with the audience and everybody says wow sharon shannon you know they love her and i think that's one of the key ingredients of performance that i think a lot of musicians in my world i haven't seen tutored in that they don't know how to once they get their skill um developed and right. once they know what they're doing with their instrument and they're confident in themselves, then right. how do you translate that out to the audience and yes. how to connect with the audience? I think that's a skill all to itself. And those yes. that successfully do it are renowned. Their names are renowned. Yeah. renowned by observ observation, anyhow. Yeah, and that brings me to something that relates to this extremely, and that's the idea of being authentic that and knowing yourself. And, and that comes with not only maturity, but um, sometimes we find out about ourselves through other people, through friends we have. And, and we can say, what do you what do you see when you see me? What what kinds of words come to mind? You know, and because as as younger people, sometimes we don't always know. It takes time to really know the depth of ourselves. You know, I feel like now in my 60s, I know myself way better than I did in my 50s, 40s and back. And and. And so being able to open your heart, you know, your authenticness to the audience and, and not being afraid to do that and move past the fear that holds you back and being able to communicate not only through um, the words and music you're singing, that it comes through your heart, not just your head, but through um, communicating verbally with your audience, even between numbers, between songs and, and relating as a human being. And, um, and I think that's what really connects. That's, that's the connector place. I think Brené Brown is one of the people that comes to mind. There's a couple of people in my mind as you're speaking there now, and Brené Brown comes to mind and she talks about, she's a, she's a, a Ted talk that like has millions of views and it's all about this, mm -hmm marriage of courage and vulnerability and how the two are so strongly connected you have to be courageous to be vulnerable yes yes and you have to build Correct. into that it doesn't happen overnight you have to build into that right and that right. thing to get to know yourself and feel the fear and do it anyway right because there's right. a certain level i can tell you from personal experience we were all different but from my own story that there's fear that you've just got to get through it and you know it's fear you know it's there but if you can learn how to kind of get over that threshold and you understand the steps involved it makes it that bit easier yes yes you know and and you know it's the idea of uh when we see a wall in front of us and i've written about this and and um in some of my blogs that i put out but when we see that wall in front of us that tells us something good is about to happen so we can we can either see there's a wall i better turn around and walk away because i'm never going to get over or around or under that wall or we can look at it as hmm this is an opportunity i wonder what's on the other side of that wall and typically it's something very good because that's that's the fear that's 
standing in front of us. And, and if we can break through it or go around it or go oh, put a ladder over the top, we're going to find um, good things on the other side. So do you think because music, if, if you go down to that, what I would regard as a very deep level, actually, within you as an artist, you're yeah. handling very deep parts of yourself. Do you find that um, there is a resilience required and is there a certain way of handling resilience in the face of difficulty and challenge? Have you figured out kind of the steps involved, such as a musician has been disappointed and it hurts their soul? Have you developed a system of how to tutor that musician to develop resilience? I think um, I think one of the things is realizing that this takes time to mature, that maturity does not come overnight. And so, um, you know, it's it's taking one step at a time and that and that you will succeed but it's, it's going to take some time and there are but but part part of it are are going to be experiencing pitfalls along the, the way some stumbling along the way but you stumble forward <laughs> and it's the whole idea that all this idea of disappointment and and feeling like gee am i ever going to make this uh this goal of mine um to be either a, a working musician or even as a hobby that um, that all those fears and disappointments are all part of the journey, that that's that's part of of realizing that, um, you know, you're going to get there. And and so, yeah, it's just all part of the journey. I don't know what else to say about that, that that it's it's a good thing not not to back away. So maybe what you're saying is it's translating that into a young musician's mind, understanding that there's a journey involved. Yes. It isn't a quick press of a button. Yes. Yes. And I think that part and parcel of our modern world, that the press of the button appears to be so quick, instant results almost, that this idea of there's a journey involved takes time and it takes effort, yeah. needs to be translated. It, you know, and then sometimes, uh, like in coaching, for instance, um, you know, I'll ask some deep questions. That's part of the whole coaching process. And I'll ask a question like, um, you know, what is it that you're afraid of on the on, on the other side of this wall? What, where, you know, what is your fear to try to describe it to me or draw it in a picture in some way or, or a metaphor or, um, you know, let's let's talk about what is your relationship to that fear? Mm -hmm. And do you find that that's connected maybe to a prior experience, maybe in, yes. for example, it could be a family situation yeah, yes. or something that you're going as deep as that? Uh, yeah, pretty much all, yeah. almost always, I would say so. Yeah, that there have been experiences they've had that set them back and they're afraid that they're afraid to go forward because here I am again. <laughs> and I don't want to have to experience what I experienced instead of recognize this as an opportunity to grow and to change to transform into something um something new and different and exciting and so it's again part of the journey idea but so you're changing perspectives really yeah yeah it's a mindset change and and that's that takes time to develop mindset you know as, as far as you know changing our behavior and our mind and um and that kind of thing but um well it's usually these issues usually run deep into the subconscious and that does take time. It's just, it's just one of these life things. It just takes time to adjust. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And, 
you know, a lot of it is, you know, what are the internal messages that um, you tell yourself or that others have said about you and recognizing that um, these messages are, are just messages <laughs> that that doesn't define who you are as a person that um, there may have been really bad things that have happened to you, or there may have been terrible things. You might've been bullied as a child, um, you know, growing up or even as an adult and to realize this does not define you as a person that your authentic self is way deeper than that. You know, you weren't born like that. You, you know, you weren't born feeling bad about yourself and, and, you know, you were born new and fresh and, you know, and that's what we want to get back to is that authentic self, you know, that, that kind of almost newborn person who is, comes at the world with newness and wonder and, 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 and realizing that they can slough off all that old stuff that, that is just not true about themselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I often think that spending time in the great outdoors is a great healer Mm -hmm. for this because there's such a high energy um, outside. It's just nature has inspired so many artists that, and I'm not talking about a new agey perspective on this. I'm just talking in general, the beauty of nature can be such a healing perspective that I think for me personally, it has been such a great help through lots of ups and downs. And um, I was watching a video there at the weekend called, I think it's called Earthing. And it was all about grounding. Mm. And I have found over the years that many artists can get so in their heads sometimes, and they're so trying to push through thresholds that they need to get more grounded. And nature is one of those places to get grounded and kind of, quieten down the head quieten down the spirit to get clear about what they're about so why is it so important to know that line like of what we do and not just the how and the what of what we do like how important the why of the the why of what we do the why of what we do yeah Yeah. that's got to be the starting place because that is um, that sets our direction it sets our focus um you know why why are we doing what our we're doing is is what gives us the energy and the um, impetus to um, move forward, and and if we focus only on the what, on the what do I want to accomplish, or uh, you know what uh, you know what knowing all these things that I need to know to get to me where I want to go, the goal. If you lose sight of the why, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's a it's a it's a recipe for burnout. You know, having been through burnout myself, true burnout, and I had to take a year off in the literally the wilderness in a cabin in um, South Dakota. Um, it was the most transforming part of my life, and 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 it, it just was. Um, you know, I I needed to get back to the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And um, and it was interesting you say it was interesting South Dakota because by what I understand, that's a very rural yeah, yes. landscape. It's- very you know there isn't much going on there compared to other parts of the right. states would i be uh yes yeah. and um i lived um in an area that um was a lot of native american um uh, uh influence you know of course a lot of the state is and um so i had some amazing things happen with me it with the traditional lakota 
people uh, in sweat, sweat, sweat lodges and yeah. And, and, and being able to be a part of some of their traditional ceremonies and um, getting my vision back about who am I and, and uh, what do I want to accomplish in the world? And so when I came back to, um, to the Northwest uh, area of the U S you know, I came back with a sense of renewed vision and, and why I, am doing what I'm doing. And that's, that has, that gives you the sustainability to keep doing it, um, you know, or, and to move forward in your vision. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes so much sense. But um, I would think that the native peoples, no matter where in the world they are, whether it's the native Americans or you go down even to the Kogi in South America, they have a ton load of knowledge. Oh to man. Yes. They have such knowledge. Um, I think we need to respect them very highly. Absolutely. Society. Absolutely. My personal mm -hmm. opinion is, you know, all their work, like I would tune into that quite a bit. Very interesting. Well, listen, it has been an absolute pleasure to interview you today. And I find your work is fascinating. Well, thank you. Because I think as musicians, we have to understand the psychological side of ourselves. We have to understand the spiritual side of ourselves. And I don't want to go too off, off right. key here, but I, there's so much coming out now, supporting all these ideas about the brain, the yes. heart connection, mm -hmm. what that all means mm -hmm. as artists, understanding our why, why that's so important, understanding about resilience, authenticity, all those aspects. And once you get that understood as a musician, it means a ton yes. load. I just... You know, when I look back on all this knowledge in my own life, if I knew that when I was struggling through performances, yeah. well, it would have revolutionized. That's everything. true. It would have. It would have. Yes. So your work is fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. If if I could leave my um, my uh, website information, uh, it's, it's simply www. Um, <laughs> I just changed it. Pro Art Coach. P R O. ARTcoach.com. Great. Thank you very much, Rick. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on. Visit Rick's website at proartcoach.com. The link is in the podcast description below. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.